Welcome, UndraftedFreeAgent.com, Mid-Major Basketball Podcast. I'm Chris McKee, your host. This is Episode 5, New AP Top 25 out. There are three mid-major programs in the AP Top 25 this week. The first, of course, the number one team in the country, Gonzaga. They're 3-0. However, their program's been put on pause this week for about eight days or so. I promised I would not talk cancellations and a lot of that, but we'll, we'll touch on that briefly today and what the impact of that means with the number one team in the country being put on hold for a couple weeks. Richmond remains in the Top 25 at number 19. They're 2-0. And the new mid-major team that has entered the AP Top 25, San Diego State, they're back in at number 24. They're 4-0 in the season, so we'll touch a little bit about that. Great to see more mid-major content. Now, it usually takes a little bit longer throughout the season because right off the gate, not too many mid-major programs are going to get that respect from the voters, but aside from Gonzaga, so usually it takes a while for more mid-major teams to creep in. they got to prove themselves and beat some good opponents. San Diego State now in that mix. So you're all familiar with the preseason All-American teams. You know, every newspaper website does them well. UndraftedFreeAgent.com put together the preseason All-Canadian teams with a panel of experts. I had a bunch of different coaches and writers. I'll explain to that a little bit later on. So we're also been amazingly accurate on our preseason All-Canadian guys. A lot of guys, you know, you see the Rothsteins and the Goodmans. Where did this guy come from? Well, they were on my preseason All-Canadian list. Um, there are four new teams in Division I basketball, and you may have been a little confused scrolling through ESPN or whatever, CBS watching the games and seeing some of these team names along the bottom going, well, who the heck's that? Thinking it's a D2 school, but in fact, there are four new Division I teams, and we'll touch on them and who they are and who they coach on, what, what conference, some of that. Some of the key games we'll go through this week, and also... I'm going to play some segments from my interview with UC Irvine head coach Russ Turner. We had a chat a couple months back throughout the offseason. Great guy and UC Irvine. You know, I called them one of the best-kept secrets in college basketball over the past couple of years. And we're 2-2 two two right now. we got USC up next. But I uh, wanted to run through some of the scores. I mean, the big mishap. We all got robbed of number one versus number two. Gonzaga Baylor canceled on Saturday. Bummer. You know, Mark Few put out a statement saying they're going to try to reschedule this game at some point this season. You know, college basketball fans deserve it. All that kind of good stuff. So, I mean, you know, they had, for Gonzaga, they had four games, I think four winnable games. I mean, I was Idaho State, not not very challenging. So you, it was safe to assume Gonzaga was probably going to run the table. And then their next game, December 19th, against a big opponent, they play Iowa. So they've been on pause until December 14th, so it looks like those four games washed, and then they'll return to play Iowa on December 19th. Now, one of the questions I have is, should they remain the number one team in the country if they're not playing? If you're going to be put on pause, my feeling is, well, you should be paused from the AP Top 25 poll. If you're not playing, why are we ranking you? Now, hey, look, I've been preaching the Bible of Gonzaga since day one, and you know, Andrew Nemhart and Jalen Suggs and... Kisper and all these guys, I mean, they got players, and I, I do believe right now they are the best team in the country, but if you ain't playing, uh, why are we ranking you? So that, that's one of the things that I know 2020 is the, the year of all exceptions, but one of the things to, to be mindful of throughout the season, if you're going to just sit and be on pause here and there every few weeks, I don't think you should hold your ranking. I think you should be taken out, and then when you start playing again, we'll put you back in the rankings. So 
whatever. Food for thought. Moving ahead. Some of the games this week I wanted to touch on. Now, from the weekend, D3 Greensboro College beat Longwood, who's a Division I program, I think on Saturday uh, or Sunday, 67-64. Now, this is a Division Three school. Division Three does not offer athletic scholarships. So all these kids are just kids mostly from the local area, and they beat a Division I school. Now, Division One, you have the opportunity to recruit players from all over the world. And what this says to me is, what the heck's going on at Longwood? You know, I... I I do play-by-play -play for Orangeville Prep, which is the number one high school program in Canada. Jamal Murray out of there, Ignis Brzezikis, Thon Maker, Kyle Alexander with the Miami Heat, O'Shea Brissett, Lou Gensdor, a number of guys. And then, you know, about 40 guys currently playing Division I NCAA basketball from the beer C guys from that program. I mean, they've got the Alikas, Matthew Alexander Moncrief, who's one of the freshman phenoms down at Oklahoma State. He's out of that program. I could have got you the fifth or sixth guy out of that program down to Longwood. And I, I promise you, you would not be losing to D3 guys with this. So uh, to me, you know, I, we've all seen uh, ESPN football Sunday nights, Chris Carter and Randy Ross. Come on, man. You lost to a D3 school. Step up your recruiting. That's terrible, man. Because I, you know, I'm no college basketball expert, but I certainly could find 10 guys just from the Toronto area alone that could be a D3 team. So another key score from the weekend, Iona and Rick Pitino. They get their first win of the year. That's Pitino's first winning college basketball since 2017. They beat Hofstra 82-74. Guard Isaiah Ross with a career-high 33 points. So congrats to Pitino and Iona getting off the snide for the first time in three years. They play Morgan State today at 3 p.m., so hopefully they can keep that rolling. One of my goals... This season, now that the border's closed and I'm in the Toronto area, it's a frigid uh, Tuesday afternoon here in Toronto right now, but I was hoping to get over the border quite a bit and cover the MAAC and Patino and Siena and Monmouth and all these programs, but damn, border's closed, so alas, I can't, so I'm going to do my best to cover that conference from afar, but you know, one of the things, the big question is, you know, can Iona be a mid-major power again? Can Patino do it? And if so, how long is it going to take them? You know, year one, everyone gets a pass. I don't care who you are, even Rick Pitino. And especially this year, a lot harder recruiting. You know, you can't get on that private jet and just fly all over the world and get kids to, to, to go to Iona. But I think, you know, year two is where you'll see that jump where he's going to get guys, you know, maybe a four-star guy that could have played at a high major and get them into Iona. So can he do it again? That's what we're all, you know, holding uh, holding our breath to see if Patino still got it and how long is it going to take him. So all eyes peeled on the Iona Gales. Again, play Morgan State today at 3 o'clock, so let's keep it rolling. Patino, Drake 4-0 for the first time since 1979. That's one of the teams I saw early in the season, and I'm going to follow them because I, I like them. I, I love their guard, Roman Penn. I think this guy's a player. Darian DeVries, their head coach, has got something going on now. The only knock I'll give them, they beat St. Ambrose this week, 97-53 on Sunday, and they have McKendry up next. This sounds like my high school basketball schedule when I played at Cardinal Newman High School in Scarborough. Who, who the hell is St. Ambrose, and who the hell is McKendry? So Drake's got some good things going on, but uh, let, let's step up the opponents here. This, you're not impressing anyone beating St. Ambrose 
97-53. Western Carolina 5-1 after beating Tennessee Tech on Sunday, 76-75 in OT. Mark Prosser is their head coach, so good things going on at Western Carolina. Richmond beat Wofford last night, 77-72. I mentioned they're you know, number 19 in the AP poll. They're still rolling deep, senior-laden team. Look for them to make a, a pretty good run in March. Coastal Carolina now 3-0 after beating NC Central, 79-71 Monday. And think Coastal Carolina, what a, what a time to be a Coastal Carolina student or a fan. The football team 10-0 under head coach Jamie Chadwell beat BYU. Uh, what was that, Thursday, I think? Over the weekend, whatever, but uh, wow, what a time to be a Coastal Carolina fan. Great things going on. 3-0 in basketball, 10-0 in football. Uh, San Diego State beat Pepperdine on Sunday, 65-60. Uh, they also beat uh, UC Irvine, 77-58 last week. So, you know, the post-Malachi Flynn era at San Diego State looking promising so far. Let me mention UC Irvine. Um, they're 2-2 two two right now. They play USC today, I think, and USC's a damn good team, so... Uh, don't want to make any assumptions, but that uh, 500 record may be in jeopardy. But head coach Russ Turner had uh, the Anteaters, that's their name, 21-11 and 11 last year. And the year before, 31-6. and six. There's been some really good things going on. I mentioned, you know, I wrote an article about them over the summer after chatting with head coach Russ Turner. I called them one of the best-kept secrets in college basketball. They did lose a few guys to graduation, but they bring back pretty good returning class. And... You know, Russ, Russ has had some pretty good success, a couple 30-win teams, and I spoke to him and, and asked him, you know, with, with that kind of success, there's going to be people calling and, and maybe other opportunities, and I asked him, why did you stay at UC Irvine? Uh, this is his response. Oh, well, um, have you been to Irvine? I have. I mean, I've been to Cali. I haven't been to Irvine, though, so. Yeah, yeah, you know, people ask me that question. I'm like, yeah, have you been to Irvine? Irvine's good, and uh, Irvine's great, and this university, um, even in the 10 years I've been here, has grown with a with a momentum and at a pace uh, that's outstanding. You know, this this place makes a difference in the world. Um, this this university does. So uh, it's a it's a special opportunity I have to be here. And you know, the more impact uh, that we make with the players we have, uh, the more. Um, success we're able to generate with a program, the more satisfying that becomes and the, the less you would ever think about leaving. Um, and then when you add to that the uh, location I'm living in, uh, the, the fact that my family's happy, uh, it's easy to continue to make the choice to be here. Uh, and, I, and I appreciate the opportunity I got. So that's Russ Turner, head coach, UC Irvine. You know, another thing I, I chatted with Russ about, and we had a fun chat. He, he was a good, good guy, good sense of humor. And so I'm thankful for that. That was my first time speaking with him. So sometimes you don't know, you know, where these guys are going to be there. He wasn't, you know, all business, pretty relaxed. And it was, it was a comfortable interview. But um, one of the things I asked him was, how have you had success at UC Irvine? What's been your key? And he talked about continuity, you know, in the day of transfers and teams in and out and seven guys. I mean, look at Kentucky, you know, every year, new guys in and in. Kentucky has no continuity, but Calipari's genius and he's done great things but for mid-major programs continuity a key and uh russ turner explained to me how that works for him at uc irvine well we've had um we haven't had any come in this year we uh we did have two guys leave our team one was a non-scholarship player and the other was a, a scholarship kid from australia who returned to australia and, and has uh decided he doesn't want to play anymore okay. we have had great continuity in the time I've been here at Irvine, and um, I think that says a lot about the program that we have, the solidity of our program. It says a lot about where we live and how good we've got it, 
And I think it also says a lot about uh, the fact that we play a lot of guys and, and people enjoy their roles here and they get better. And uh, if we can continue to do that, we're going to be good. You know, we've had a couple of key transfers. The year that we won 31 games, we had a graduate transfer named Robert Cartwright who did a great job. And uh, more important than him, maybe even, was a, a kid named Elston Jones who transferred to us from Utah State and was in our program for three years and really was outstanding at the end and enabled us to uh, make the run that allowed us to beat Kansas State in the NCAA tournament in advance. Colin Welb, he's back for next year, is that right? Yeah, yeah, Colin was uh, one of the top players okay. in the league. And, uh, you know, he's first-team all-conference, even though I brought him off the bench every game. I know that we can count on him. And uh, Brad Green is also back. Brad, Brad's going to be a fifth-year senior for us. And uh, at the end of the year, especially, he was playing at an all-conference level. I was surprised he wasn't first-team all-conference last year, but I expect those two guys to anchor us on the interior next year and give us a chance to be really good again. So a couple guys to be aware of at UC Irvine. They got a 6'11 center, Brad Green, returning guy. This guy, I mean, this guy's all man. Nine points per game last year, 7.7 .7 rebounds. I think he had 21 rebounds in a game last year. I think he came to Hawaii. So you want to talk about dominating the boards? Watch out for Brad Green. Also, Colin Welp. Colin was first team all Big West. I think he came off the bench last year, but was still first team all conference, 13 points per game. So... They got some big guys, you know, big a little old school basketball. They're not going to come and just shoot 100 threes. They're going to play a little bit more 90s basketball, feed it into the big guy down down in the middle and let him dominate the boards both offensively and defensively. And I asked Russ Turner, you know, he's got some guys in, pretty good returning class, his goals for the remainder of the 2021 NCAA basketball season. Yeah, I love the question. Um, we're going to have a young team, but our goal – is not changed. You know, our, our goal will be to be the Big West champions um, first in the regular season if we can accomplish that. And then, you know, the ultimate goal here is to win the Big West tournament and advance the NCAAs. But we're going to continually aim at that and not just to advance the NCAAs. You know, we're at a point in our program where we're hoping to make the NCAA tournament and advance in the NCAA tournament. Those are our goals. And uh, I purposely keep that advancement um, vague because. I'd like to catch fire one year and uh, and do something special here like we did when we beat Kansas State. And uh, the goals in this program are going to remain really high. So there's a couple of clips from my conversation with UC Irvine head coach Russ Turner, one of the teams to watch out for as we progress throughout the season heading into 2021. So, you know, one of the things that reminded me of last night, uh, I was going through it and, you know, mid-major basketball, a lot of the early success and a lot of people's fascination, especially the, the March Madness in the tournament, comes from West Coast mid-major teams. You know, a couple of the teams I've thought about over the years, you know, you look at Pepperdine. You know, they had some great runs in the early 90s into the early 2000s. And, you know, I forget who the guy was with, with the big hair, big, like big bushy hair. And, you know, that's kind of synonymous with, with the Pepperdine program. But they always had some great teams, you know, West Coast mid-major. Loyola Marymount, you want to go, you want to talk mid-major powerhouses. Let's go back to the late 80s into the 90s with the great Hank Gathers and, you know, the tragedy surrounding his death, him passing away you know, on the floor, and then obviously his teammate and one of his best friends, Bo Kimball, paying homage to him, and, you know, Loyola Marymount going on a pretty good run in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the 30 for 30 guru of Go, 
If you haven't, it's a must watch. It was funny. I was having to watch that, some of the, the trailer of that last night or and some ESPN 60 with, with Jeremy Schaap doing it. <laughs> Anytime he commentates on something or narrates, it's always super depressing with that soft music in the background. I'm Jeremy Schaap. This is ESPN 60. And then they have some sad music and the piano key and that. But um, obviously the Loyola Marymount story, a sad story. But anything Jeremy Schaap does is hey, <laughs> knocking him. It's great, great commentator, but uh, I get a kick out of some of the formula he has. You know, also you want to talk West Coast mid-major powerhouses, UNLV. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Larry Johnson, Stacey Ogman. I mean, it's one of the best teams in the history of college basketball, a West Coast mid-major powerhouse. Steve Nash at Santa Clara. I talked a little bit about him last week in the pod and getting some pretty good numbers on last week's pod, which is great to see. The podcast is developing. People are listening and tuning in and subscribing. So thank you to everyone out there that is. Of course, check out undraftedfreeagent.com. Click subscribe on everything. And we're trying to build our socials. Drop us a drop us a follow on Instagram or Twitter, undraftedfreeagent. It's undrafted underscore F-A. And also hit me up on Twitter at Mr. McKee, M-R-M-C-K-E-E. Yeah, getting back to the, the West Coast mid-majors, you know, Steve Nash and Santa Clara in 93, the, the 15 seed beating the number two Arizona Wildcats, which was only the second time in NCAA tournament history, that had happened. So the advent of mid-major success, I think a lot of it does come from the West Coast. You know, there's always the Valpos and stuff in there that have had great runs in the tournament. And, but when you go back to the 80s and 90s, I think a lot of that, you know, interest and love for mid-major basketball, for me anyways, came from the West Coast team. So it's funny, I was, I was looking at some of the, the greatest mid-major teams of all time last night, just a couple of lists going through, and you can tell every one of these lists is written by like some 20-year-old kid because their reference range is, oh, here's a great mid-major team from 2012, and they have no reference to anything you know, prior than 2008. So I was getting a bit of a laugh at that. Look, kids, do a little research. That's one of the things. I think why I'm going to have some success with this pod. You know, I'm a dude in my 40s. I got a bit of reference a bit of range and knowledge to uh you know what i'm trying to do here so speaking of range and knowledge i found myself confused uh looking through some of the the scores and that going who who the hell's that team who the hell's bellarmine playing duke why is duke playing a d2 team well they're no longer a d2 team there are four new programs in college basketball in division one i'm going to tell you who they are get a little familiar so you can seem smart to your friends, the first, I mentioned the Bellarmine Knights. So they're in Louisville, Kentucky. Or Louisville, excuse me. I'm Canadian, so my pronunciation not uh, 100% correct. People always speak like Gonzaga. I get so much grief. I can't say Gonzaga. Okay, I'm not American. I can't, I'm not from Western New York, from Tanawanda, and I'm not going to say Gonzaga. I'm not from Wisconsin, the Midwest. I know Gonzaga's in uh, the Washington area, but... I, I just, I, that's not how we talk in Canada, so stop giving me grief for saying Gonzaga, not Gonzaga. Anyways, Bellarmine Knights in Louisville, Louisville, they're in the Atlantic Sun Conference. Their head coach, Scott Davenport, this is his 16th year at Bellarmine. So I like that, you know, the the this is a guy that's built this program at the Division II level and then gets an opportunity to be a D1 head coach. And, and that's great to see. So Bellarmine Knights, team to be aware of. Number two, Dixie State Trailblazers. I, I get a kick out of Dixie State because it sounds like a movie name. Like, 
Um, for those of us that have seen Blue Chips, speaking of reference range, back in the, the 90s with Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway and a bunch of others, but who I forget the name. Was it Big State or something? Well, that was um, He Got Game with uh, with Ray Allen and the Spike Lee movie. But Dixie State sounds like a, a fictional name. That, like uh, It sounds like a state, like if they had a football team, that's the school Booby Miles would have went to if he came back from his injury. Um but yeah, anyways, Dixie State, surprisingly, it sounds like a, a Southern team, but they are in St. George, Utah. They're going to play in the Western Athletic Conference. Their head coach, John Judkins, also his 16th year at the program, just like Scott Davenport at Bellarmine. So pretty cool letting the guys who run the program at D2 make that leap to D1. And then one team that didn't do that, Tarleton State, the Texans. They are located in Stephenville, Texas. They're also in the WAC, same conference as Dixie State, and their head coach, Billy Gillespie, who needs no introduction. Of course, Billy, the former head coach at uh, Kentucky, that's where I became familiar with him. Texas A&M, I think he was there, and then Texas Tech, where he was unceremoniously, uh, I mean, I don't know, fired, whatever, let go, whatever, but... Um, you know, allegations of player mistreatment and all this. And I don't want to get too into that because I'm a firm believer in second chances in life. Now, this might be Billy's third or fourth chance in life, but, um, you know, that's, I'm Canadian. That's one of the things I loved about America. You know, you're always, always an opportunity to correct who you are and what you've done. And Billy's getting that opportunity right now at Tarleton State. So kudos to him. Um, you know, the past is the past. I mean, you can go just go read his Wikipedia page. You want to find out some of the allegations against him. Uh, not pleasant, but one to keep an eye on. And hopefully he can achieve some success again and find redemption at Tarleton State. So I mentioned they're in Stephenville, Texas. As soon as I saw that, one of the things I know about Stephenville, Texas, and I hope I'm saying that right. I hope it's not Stephenville. But it's there's been a bunch of UFO sightings in, uh, in that town. So I've... Um, I wouldn't say I'm a UFO junkie, but I've certainly done plenty of research on UFO sightings in Stephenville, Texas. Uh, I think it was a good one, 2008. And this isn't like, you know, look, you want to talk conspiracy theory, you can go find, I was looking up last night the story, ABC News reported this. Apparently there was over 50 people who witnessed, this is in 2008, uh, a UFO sighting. And there's some pretty good documentaries. I've seen it. One of the guys, I think his name's Steve Allen, and he's a former pilot, or he's a current pilot. You know, I'm sure he could still fly a plane, but he was one of the people who saw it. So this guy's pretty familiar with aircrafts and what kind of aircrafts there are. And he swears, you know, swears to God, he saw a UFO in, in Stephenville, Texas. So any college basketball teams heading down there for a game this year, uh, keep your eyes on the sky. Uh, you never know what you might find down there in Stephenville, Texas. Um, and finally, the fourth new team, UC San Diego Tritons. I mean, pretty obvious where their location is, San Diego. They're in the Big West Conference, and their head coach, Eric Olin, it's his eighth year as the head coach. I believe he was assistant for about a decade prior to that. And so continuity, we talked about that with um, Russ Turner at UC Irvine. These three of the four new teams, extensive continuity. Coach is there for a long time at D2 and helping to bring those teams to D1. So what does it take to go from D2 to D1? It's scholarship limits, okay? D2, I believe it's 10 scholarships per team, and sometimes they split that up, so one guy may get a half scholarship, the other guy gets a half scholarship, but a D1, 13 scholarship players, and then there's always additional money donors paying for guys, so, you know, just about everyone on, on D1 teams, you know, there's always the odd walk-on, but most of them scholarship players, and of course it involves an increase in budget, 
you know, you're going to hire more assistants once you get to D1, uh, social media coordinators, things get a little bit bigger, accommodations, travel, meals, everything gets a lot more expensive. So in order to make that jump to D1, these programs have to be financially invested in doing it because uh, it does cost a lot more money. And But, you know, I wrote a little article article about this on undraftedfreeagent.com. However, you get to the NCAA tournament and all those financial concerns get a race with the payout. So four new teams, keep an eye on them. Let's roll them down there for you. So one of the things I talked about from the get-go is we put together uh, the All-Canadian list. You've all seen the NCAA All-American teams, but currently this season, a record somewhere about, it's about 160 Canadian men playing Division One basketball this year. I keep a pretty good eye on them because I know a lot of these kids, having done play-by-play, -play, I mentioned for Orangeville Prep and the OSBA, which is the league they play in, the Ontario Scholastic Basketball Association. So, ton of great players out of that uh, out of that league. It's the best league in the country, as far as in in Canada. So, a lot of Division One players and and NBA current NBA guys come out of that league that I've called games for over the past five years. So, I'm pretty familiar with all the Canadians playing most of them, anyways. A uh, good 80, 85 percent, and I enlisted the help. To put this list together, my guy Wes Brown, who runs Monday Morning Scouting Report. Wes scouts for NBA teams, NCAA, especially right now. Uh, look up Wes on his socials. A lot of teams you can't get into Canada to scout, and Wes puts together some great lists. He's, this, this guy knows every single kid. If you've picked up a basketball in Ontario or even Canada, Wes has a scouting report on you. So I enlisted his help. David Diavero, who is the head coach of Ryerson University. And David's been a part of the Canadian national team. This guy's, you know, he's coached AAU. He's been helped coach some of these kids from the time they were six, seven years old. So I got his help. Luke Gore, the associate head coach at Valparaiso. Shout out Luke. Got to know Luke a little bit during the offseason. He's recruiting. He signed David Diavero, uh, son Darius, to Valpo. So he's been recruiting Orangeville and uh, checked out some of the live streams and games I called. So I got his help. My guy Manny D., who is a GA with Michigan State this year, was one of the coaches with Orangeville Prep last year, so now down at Tom Izzo's staff. He helped me out with this list. And my guy, Chico Nacion, who is the NBA editor at The Score, and Chico knows his college basketball as well. So we put together this list of the All-Canadians. Uh, and so here's the three teams. So we had the first team, I'll go through, the, we had consensus all Canadians uh, through the list. We all voted. And then only two guys were on everyone's list on the first team. The first, Marcus Carr at Minnesota. I know this is a, There is some mid-major content, so we'll get to it. Marcus Carr at Minnesota. And we also voted him the preseason Canadian Player of the Year. And he's not letting us down. He is killing it at Minnesota. A.J. Lawson, South Carolina. The other consensus. Now, here's the mid-major content. Steph Smith from Vermont. Guy out of Ajax, Ontario. I called some of his high school games at Bill Carruthers. And he's, uh, you know, first team All-American East. He's probably going to be in the mix for player of the year. Tested the NBA draft waters briefly this offseason and then came back. So Steph Smith at Vermont, the only mid-major player on the first team All-Canadian list. Eugene Omaruyi at Oregon, who is absolutely killing it. I think he was a Pac-12 player of the week or player of the month already. So watch out for him. Matthew Alexander Moncrief, I mentioned, Oklahoma State. He's killing it. So that's the first team, those five. The second team All-Canadians, uh, Yasip Branch at Santa Clara. I've talked about him quite a bit. There's some mid-major content. He's he's going to have a big year. Uh, Abu Kigab with Boise State. Kid out of St. Catharines on the second team. Javon Juggy Blair, who's down at Georgetown. I called some of his games at Orangeville Prep. 
Second team, Chris Duarte from Oregon. Another second team guy. And then Quincy Guerrier at Syracuse, who is on fire to start the season. And the third team, all Canadians. Now, we did put Jalen Llewellyn at Princeton because we did this before. The Ivy League had canceled their season. So that's one of the mistakes we made. James Karnick, who is a grad transfer to Boston College from Surrey, BC. He spent the previous three seasons at Lehigh, was an all-conference guy for Lehigh. And again, I called a couple of James games at Orangeville Prep as well. Tyree Samuel, another guy I called his games. He has Seton Hall. Gabe Osabuyen from West Virginia, and Keyshawn Bartholomew at Colorado. So that's your preseason All-Canadian guys. A couple mid-major uh, guys in there to, to keep an eye on, but all these guys, great players, great kids. Basketball in Canada, absolutely booming right now. You know, it's I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of that. So we should wrap up Episode 5. Thanks for joining us this week. Easy for me to say. Of course, don't forget, check out undraftedfreeagent.com. Please drop us a follow on our socials. We're trying to build that. Drop me a follow on my Twitter at Mr. McKee, and of course, click subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google, wherever you're listening to us. I'm going to keep pumping out the podcast, and hopefully you keep on listening. The beating of my heart.